Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Digital transformation, intelligent automation. For a lot of people, these words would make you feel very nervous. I know they make me feel nervous because I don't understand anything about it. But undoubtedly, a huge amount of the problems that local authorities are facing could be made easier and reduced if we can properly utilise the true potential of ICT. And today I have a man who is on a mission to put the power of digital transformation into the hands of every organisation to answer one particular question. How can intelligent automation help councils to innovate and save money? Now, that man, an absolute, um, well, he's an absolute wizard when it comes to IT, but a lovely person as well, is Mark Gannon. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Mark. How are you? I'm very well, Mark. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's it's fantastic to have you here. So if I can start off by first asking um, your views around uh, the services and councils uh, not being digitised, uh, you know, and your thoughts around how that creates waste and failure uh, within the system. So I've been I've been working in and around councils for poor getting on for 25 years now. Um, started my career in local government um, and I've worked for quite a number of councils. And I remember many, many years ago when e-government was the big thing and there was loads of indicators around improving digital services in councils and there was a huge amount of funding from central government. And it sometimes feels like we're still going around that loop sometimes with with local government. Um, And um, I'm not not necessarily being critical here of local government. I'm a huge local government fan. I love what local government does. Um, You know, I, I give a huge portion of my professional life to working in local government and now on the other side of the fence working for NetCall do the same in supporting councils with their digital transformation. Um, I, I think I think local government is in a really difficult position at the minute. Obviously the you know there's loads of really well documented financial troubles across the sector frankly because of 10 plus years of central government austerity which has just continued and continued. Um, so they're in a difficult position and their ex- the expectations of councils to do more and more and meet you know further demands just puts more and more pressure on you know my friends and ex-colleagues who work in work in the sector so so it's a real challenge um but i think you know not not to sort of stick on the negatives i think there's huge opportunities still remain for councils to to really apply the sort of thinking and approaches of the digital era to really improve those services um, you know, it's it's tough working in council at the minute. There's a lot of pressure um, using horrible outdated legacy systems that don't allow you to do your job more efficiently just makes it even harder. On this point, I want to, I guess, sometimes the question that a lot of uh, IT leaders I speak to have is, do you think that senior leaders and politicians truly understand digital and therefore truly understand the potential of what can be realised? It's a really good question. Um I think it's it's obviously improved over the last few years, but I think fundamentally there is still a 
are still a challenge at the at the highest level of of local authorities. I mean, I I remember so the last local authority I worked for was Sheffield City Council, and I won't name it, name any names, but I remember being in a meeting um, talking about rolling out some new digital tools for the organisation, which was going to make everyone's jobs a load easier. And the senior person who was introducing it sort of said, oh, well, I don't really know anything about IT and sort of, you know, chortles. And, and I thought, well, you've just undermined everything I'm now going to be saying about how IT is going to help um, the, the council to improve. And I think sometimes it, it feels to me like senior leaders in local government sometimes think it's OK not to get IT or or to be, you know, not understand digital in a way that they wouldn't be able to say that if it was about finance or HR or equalities or any other issue. Um, I think it's improving, but I think, you know, there's there's a way to go. Um, I think the LGA are obviously doing quite a lot of work on this currently to try and improve the skills for senior leaders in local government across technology. So that's to be welcomed. But I think I think there's a disconnect sometimes between those digital teams working hard on the front line to improve services and 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 the understanding of what being a digital organization really is and i get that there's politics it's hard um uh, politicians you know are often trying to move more rapidly than they think that they can with the tech that's available so they make sometimes demands that i think if you're a you know working in a digital team trying to do user research and trying to come up with the, the right solution it can seem like there's a disconnect between you and your senior leaders Sometimes I find it bizarre that, you know, and it's not, it's not specifically about local authorities, but within leadership, when yeah. people will pay a small fortune to have a consultant say what somebody inside the organisation has been saying for a long time. But because it's that external uh, voice, they, they seem to go with that. I want to talk to you about the the outlook in terms of there's a lot of organisations and, and parts of, of local government where sometimes you know i take planning for example no organization particular but planners normally go we can't do that because we're different we're unique um do you think we can afford to have that approach anymore uh no i mean you know i i look at i look at the the challenges ahead for local government and you know whichever party makes it into power next time around it's not that there's going to be a huge waterfall of cash flowing to to you know all of those town halls unfortunately um so I, I think the idea that, you know, individual services within councils can just say, well, we've always done it like this, so this is how we want to do it. I just think that's not a feasible position anymore. And to be honest, citizens, customers don't want that either. They want, in the main, easily accessible services, whether it's planning or whether it's social care or whether it's housing or, or whatever the service is. You know, their expectations have now been kind of recalibrated by their experiences of, you know, the rest of the world, booking holidays, ordering things off Amazon, all the stuff people always use as the examples. But actually, people know that those services can be digitized and delivered and, you know, um, in a more efficient way. So why can't the same happen in local government? I mean, it obviously can happen in local governments and there's loads of brilliant examples we can talk about. How do you encourage then uh, and create a shared mindset in local government? What advice would you give to organisations out there, to leaders that definitely want to have a, a greater level of engagement with IT within their network and across a region, but maybe they don't know the starting point? Uh, yeah, I mean, so day to day, you know, we, um, my, my company, we do loads of stuff around collaboration. So I'm seeing loads of brilliant examples out there of councils who are collaborating and there's loads of networks out there. So it's not hard to find 
networks of peers who are prepared to sit down and have conversations and share. That could be kind of hyper localized. Um, like we we had a a network in South Yorkshire when I was at Sheffield, and we would get together and talk about how we might collaborate on things. There might be regional um, organisations like Soccer Team um, run um, regular monthly meetups, um, regional meetings. So there's loads of opportunities for leaders to get involved. Um, and, you know, there are companies like uh, organisations like Local Gov Drupal, who started off as a collaboration between councils and now is rolled out to, I think, something like 40 councils are now members and using the platform. Again, that that innovation was driven through collaboration between local authorities. Um, and it's great to see because, I mean, in my view, I don't think there's a, there's a, another way forward for local governments. The idea that every council is unique and individual and you know needs very different things i just don't think that's affordable anymore um i don't think it's realistic because actually you know if you look at a, a number of district councils they will tend to have very similar services they might have nuances of course but fundamentally they're the same or a, a bunch of county councils or a bunch of cities um we, we just can't afford to spend resources on kind of individualizing all of those you know that's it's just expensive um, and I, I just can't see how that's going to be sustainable. And I think I just want to pick up the point that you said there. And if you kind of take those action points you discussed there, if you are a leader sat in local government at the moment, whether you are CIO, chief executive, executive director or, or IT manager, networking is so incredibly important yeah. prioritizing that as a part of the job not an extra you know who are your peers where are you you know collaborating and it's this whole point about having not having echo chambers that exist within organizations but echo chambers that exist within regions within disciplines that's so important data mark data is probably one of the most underutilized um, tools uh, across the public sector how do we get the most out of data so I think there's a number of things when we talk about data. I couldn't agree more with you. I think data is is the fundamental currency. You know, there's the the, the old analogy of it's the new oil and, and all of that stuff. But but it is absolutely fundamentally important. And, you know, if you look at local authorities, they have absolutely tons of data. And then if you look at a, a place, you know, you bring in health, you bring in police, you bring in all the other services, the amount of data about people, the environment, services is enormous. What's really hard is to get at that data sometimes. And, I, you know, I think there's a few things. I think I I, I would point the finger at some of the legacy vendors, um, IT vendors, who quite honestly trap that data in their systems and, and don't make it easy for councils to get access to that data. So, you know, if you want to use that data to combine with other data sets from health, say, if you're in social care to understand opportunities for early intervention and you know the predictive analytics that can be used to to kind of help you save money um downstream or upstream from from things happening if you can't get access to that data in the first place it's really hard to come up with those those um you know predictive analytics so i think uh, i i would call on you know legacy vendors to to play fair with with local governments and make it easier for them to get access to their data sometimes that's about APIs and some of the, the more technical aspects and you know not charging for APIs or not charging ridiculous sums for APIs to allow um, people to connect systems together. Those integrations are just much harder sometimes you know there are suppliers you know like the company I work work for who who want to be open and try and make it easier for councils to connect their information whether it's to our system or to other systems. Um, 
but there's a real skills issue here and i think for me kind of data literacy is probably an area within local government that you know if you're looking at skills for the future that's got to be one of the top areas that, that we look at but i'm not sure that the investment in data within councils is is there yet um why you know there that, are why, why is data not as appreciated as perhaps it should be uh, I don't know. I think it's potentially because um, it's quite a specific technical niche area um, and sometimes people don't invest in things they don't understand. Um, uh, I think it's actually quite hard to find good data people. They're not just lying around waiting to be employed by local authorities. So again, this is where you might you might look as a region to have a you know a, a a data hub where you've got you know data people who can operate on behalf of a series of councils or a number of councils in a region if it's quite hard to find skills um for your council particularly and good data people you know they 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 can uh you know um ask for a premium in terms of salary and obviously that's a tricky um situation for councils at the minute but i think unless councils invest in data teams um, and then act on the data. You know, it's all well and good having data teams, but if you don't act on it, then you're just paying lip service. And there's there's a real difference between data that's about insights um, and, uh, you know, performance information. There's loads of data uh, people in local governments who process performance information, which tells you what's happened a month ago. Um, what What we need is teams that are actually looking at data now as it's happening and can help inform and provide insights based on that data today not two months ago because it's too late by then and one example of this is procurement you and i have spoken a lot about this around uh there are some councils who are still procuring for the non-digital age can you talk a bit about what you mean by that and you know where you think the opportunities are within procurement yeah i mean you know it's interesting having been on both sides of the fence on this one having you know, worked as a CIO in a number of councils and procured an awful lot of stuff. Um, and then obviously being on the other side where I'm pitching to to sell products to councils. Um, it's quite interesting. I mean, it's a really mixed picture across the piece and I, I see more visibility of that. But generally, I think the pace of procurement is just too slow. I think by the time, by the time you've gone through that kind of, that cycle of initial conversation, to actually respond to tender, you know, you, you could be talking 12, 16 months. You know, if we're talking about delivering change now, we, we can't be on a cycle that takes that long. There are some councils that are, that are really trying, trying hard to do that differently. Um, so I'll call out Lancashire Council, they county council, they, they tried a different approach where they did some really swift early market testing to see what was out there. And then they were able to make quicker decisions about what to buy so that it could get more quickly to the value of, of the of the implementation. Because um, there's a real cost here. There's a there's a there's a cost of running the procurement if it takes 16 months. There's a lot of people involved in that. Um, but there's the, the opportunity cost of not having your solution improved and you're losing all those efficiencies. Um, so I think there's a I think I think people are still procuring for kind of monolithic systems with requirements that are, you know, big sets of requirements and it takes so long. And by the time you've implemented it, you need to start again because it takes so long to implement those big monolithic systems that you're 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 
procuring the next one before you've even finished implementing the last one. Um, but there are more agile, there are more agile um, platforms available today. So I think there's a knowledge, um, there's a learning thing there. I think for procurement teams. And I was going to say, how can you ensure that those involved in procuring are aware of the latest developments in low code, RPA, AI, and IoT? So I think I think it's doing it's going out there and engaging with the market. Um, so one of the things I remember doing um, when I started at uh, Sheffield and we were we were just ending a big outsourcing contract and bringing a load of a load of contracts back in house. So one of the things we did was we we held a market engagement session just to understand what was available, just to get some ideas instead of just let's replace like with like because then you just continue to get what you've always had is well, what is available out there what are the options you know what are the who are the new players in the market what are the new solutions so you know and 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 suppliers really enjoy that kind of stuff because it gives them an opportunity to engage in an informal way without then being in a formal process where it's just harder to then have some of those conversations i mean i was on a call yesterday with um with a council um who i won't name who is is going through this process um and they are going out and having more personalized they, they don't want demos they just want to have a conversation to help shape their thinking and i think that's a really positive way to go so before they even decide they want to go out and buy anything they're just making sure they're clear on what's out there and actually that the strategy that they've set out is the right strategy um and that they're not missing anything and so i think i think there are councils here now taking a really positive approach to procurement and the, the hard bit with that is that you need to know what you what you want and you need before you can go and have that conversation or maybe those conversations well, that are more informal will help shape it yeah. but well i mean this is the thing so the one we had yesterday was they they know they need something but they weren't quite sure what it was um wow so and they recognize that and that's that's quite mature i think and and so the conversation was look here's where we are we need to do something else what would you advise and that's a very open conversation where you can actually get some really good ideas into people's heads i suppose when it's you know someone like yourself who's been you know the the chief you know information officer you know chair of east midlands uh so 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 how do you pronounce that socketing well, that's not good for someone to lisp is it but <laughs> anyway but clearly uh, uh, you you bring that credibility and that reassurance because again there is a theme sometimes in local government that people don't want to put the head over the parapet and say hang on a second i don't know what i need because sometimes not people like yourself mark but there are some people out there sales people who will take advantage of that and the margins are too high it's not you know so it's it's i think it's it's having it's having that intelligent client and i guess having that yeah. curiosity and fostering those relationships those long-term relationships where you can have an honest a conversation but i suppose as well once someone rips somebody off within local government they won't get work there again so hopefully people like yourself well, have you, those longer term you, relationships you, you say that um <laughs> i mean it, it never ceases to amaze me you know the, the amount of times every week i see you know council x has signed up with um supplier y and i think but well, have they not read all of the stories have they not done their due diligence because you know quite quite why you would invest that and and i i don't know there, there may be reasons for it but I think you know just doing your due diligence you know what we say to our customers is you can speak to any uh our, our prospects you can speak to any of our customers we you know we don't have two or three customers we know will say nice things about us we say speak to any of our customers because we're confident that you know um they will they will give an honest view of us and we're happy to have that view shared um and i think that's all you can do with with when you're when you're procuring is you know have the honest conversation do your due diligence 
do actually go and speak to customers. It's amazing how many times, you know, um, people procure and ask for references and never really take up the references or never really go and have proper conversations. Um, and I think they're, I think they're missing a trick. Um, but I think you know you can you can you can um, you can speak to you can speak to people in your network, peers. You know this is why the networking, the outward looking stuff is really important because they will tell you, oh, we we had supplier X and they were a nightmare. You know, so why would you why would you go with supplier X? I guess from our conversations and from conversations that I've had over the last kind of year, there's a there's a, a, a mood that sometimes local government can be you know, reactive rather than proactive. And this sometimes costs them both time and money. Um, how do you think that local government can improve their ability to undertake more early intervention and use predictive analytics, for example? So, I mean, I we we talked about predictive analytics for ages in local government when I worked when I worked in local government and some people are doing it. I worked on some projects um, on some really interesting stuff a lot of these things are interlinked it comes back to data fundamentally what we talked about earlier you know you can only you can only do the predictive analytics the early intervention stuff if you've got good data but you've got good data that people are prepared to act upon and i think again that comes down to i think that comes down to confidence confidence that your leadership have in you as as teams um um and there's a there needs to be trust there as well and i think if you've got the right leadership in a council who trusts the the employees to do the right thing gives them the space to do the right thing i think sometimes there is a bit of a we've got a we've got to meet a deadline and we've got to rush towards that deadline and sometimes those deadlines are real but sometimes they're kind of not real and you know giving teams especially digital teams the the, the time to actually properly do their user research to to come up with the right answers um is important um, although I'd obviously caveat that by saying I think there is a tendency, I think sometimes for people to, you've got the double diamond, you've got the sort of the discovery bit, and then you've got the, the delivery bit. I think sometimes people spend far too much time in the discovery bit of the diamond and don't move quickly into the delivery. So I think there's a, it's it's a difficult one, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that given the state of public sector finances that looking at how early intervention can can move forward at pace is is going to be a no-brainer especially when you look at the the relationship between social care in particular and and health and you know that relationship there's there's so much efficiency that can be gained in there there's so much you know and this isn't I'm not being critical here this is the systems have built up like this over time but you know the 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 person at the center of that generally is is kind of doesn't have the greatest experience in terms of you know coming out of their own home into hospital coming out into social you know into social care that process could be much better managed with better data and better automation um, it doesn't depersonalize it it doesn't make it you know uh, it's not robots making decisions but it's automation making some of the processing much easier so your health professionals and your social workers can actually spend more time on the on the care bit and less on the admin bit Mark, that's all we have time for today, but thank you so much for the time that you've taken to be on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. That's all right. Been a pleasure. You've listened to the truth about local governments. Today, we've been exploring how can intelligent automation help councils to innovate and save money? And if the three takeaways from this that I'd like you to think about are the importance of networking, the importance of senior leadership in 
embracing the need for digital and data knowledge internally inside of councils and ensuring that we're not spending too much money on outdated legacy applications, ensuring that we have those really positive supplier relationships. That's all we have time for now. But please, if you have any questions for Mark, reach out to him on LinkedIn. It's Mark Gannon um, at NetSuite. Oh, sorry, at NetCall. Um, but if you have uh, any questions for myself or any topics you'd like covered, please do reach out to me in the normal way. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Now, 87% of listeners who enjoyed the podcast do not leave a review, follow the podcast or share it. Please, if you liked it, review it, share it, and let's keep spreading the positive message about local government. 